Shut up and sit down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, WGOE Network is on the air, Girls of Booze in the House, with a show that we've been talking about for two years, and we finally figured out a way to make it happen. I am, uh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the pilot of the ship, my name is Doug, and with me is the Tower of Power, the man of the hour. He devours, he's going to tie you up and let you understand he's not your average man, the star of the show, Frank. Wow. That's a. That's what you. I don't think I've to. ever been introduced like that in my life. That's what you can look forward to, Frank. Each <laughs> oh, week. Oh man. Each week's gonna be a different one. I, 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 I might. Do, I might do this more often. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so yeah, so this is something that we have talked about and talked about and talked about, and it's uh, it's impossible to get it done because it's not a topic that Frank is a huge, huge fan of. Uh, Agreed. <laughs> so this is this is our new show. This is called Frank Reviews. It's kind of a play on words because you know he's going to give you his honest and frank review. Also, his name is Frank, and he's going to review. And what are we reviewing? This show is um, its going to be uh, kind of a pro-wrestling-centric show. But what we thought we would do with the, with the concept that we finally figured out how to make it fun is that uh, it's January as we record this, which is Royal Rumble season. Everybody loves the Royal Rumble. It's one of those events that... Uh, you know, even if you're not a huge wrestling fan, it's kind of one of those fun events to watch because it's a big battle royal. You know, surprises, people show up from the past, that kind of thing. And it's, uh, <coughs> excuse me, it's just you know, it's like the start of the WrestleMania season. So, uh, so what we're gonna do for however long we do this show is we're gonna watch just the Royal Rumble match from each year. You know, year by year, starting in 1988. You know, not the whole pay per view, just the actual Royal Rumble match itself. Um, you know, when it gets to the women's Royal Rumbles, we'll watch them too. When they, you know, when they come along, I don't know if we're gonna. They did like a like a hokey tag team Royal Rumble on Raw once. I don't know if we're gonna do that one, but uh, well, maybe we should for posterity. And we'll do the the greatest Royal Rumble that they did in in uh, Saudi Arabia. So we'll watch so, all the Royal Rumbles. So you have a lot of content ahead of you, Frank. Great. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Um. So I guess before we, we get into the whole thing, because the idea here is that if you want to, you you know, you pause us, you'll watch along, you can watch on the WWE Network. Um, I'm sure there's illicit ways you can watch it. On the WWE Network, it's easy because you can hit the little next match thing all the way until you get to the actual Royal Rumble match. And then we'll tell you to hit start. And then if you want to watch along with us, you'll be watching it along with us and we'll kind of bullshit our way through it. So... Uh, obviously, we are the girls of booze, which means there have, has to be alcohol involved. Yeah, that's so. the, that's probably the only way I can get through this. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna love it. It's gonna be great. Uh, so uh, tonight we're, we're gonna be sponsored, well, not sponsored by, but powered by, fueled by, Equilibrium Brewing in up in in upstate New York. So we're starting off with their Enso, Enso, Enso. I believe so. Uh, Double India Pale Ale from Equilibrium Enso. Think. Think NY, drink NY. Double India Pale Ale, one pint can, 8.2% alcohol by volume. I can tell you we cracked this to pour it right before we started, and it smells delicious. Yes, so. sir. I feel like they're one of those companies still there right now. They're like, they don't. They have very good lineup of beers. Yes. It's not one of those. Although there stuff. are people out there that would disagree with you, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. For them. I noticed <laughs> that for them. It doesn't really suck for us, but for them. I noticed... Um, 
more and more and more. There's like the you know how the treehouse there's people that are treehouse like oh yeah, tree yeah, house, yeah. treehouse blah, blah, blah. Um, equilibrium there is starting to be a little bit of this like well they were used to be better the quality used to be better ah so, uh, yes knows? once they got they started making money and got a better location people started hating them yeah it's funny how so that you got to stick like into like an old barn or a garage for them to appreciate right. your beer right you're not allowed to ever progress and sell off yes. and make money and take care of your wife and kids yeah why and why and kids, why make you know, a your families. Don't you know. profit. You know, you have to be a non-profit business in the brewery <laughs> world. Um, uh, and listen, I'm guilty of it, too, on some level. You know, when you're right. places like Cigar City sell out to the big brewers, it's like, well, fuck those guys. I felt the same way when Dogfish Head and uh, – is it Stone? Yeah, Stone, right? Yeah. I yeah. think, yeah, Stone bought Dogfish Head. I was the same way. Like, fuck them. But anyway, doesn't matter. So this isn't going to be if – you're, if you're tuning in looking for a pure beer review show, this is not going to be it. But – uh you know, we have an agreement with the Hopped Up Network where you can find us, hoppedupnetwork.com. You got to drink beer, you know. The shows have to have some sort of a mention of a beer at least, so. Yes, sir. We're going to slug through a couple equilibriums. We're going to watch some old school pro wrestling, and uh, it's going to be good. Yeah, Frank, to be fair, the first couple of these are god-awful, just so you know. Oh, so that's good. So that's, a real, good, that's a great start. <laughs> we got to swim through a couple of really bad Royal Rumbles before we get to... Uh, one that is that is regarded as one of the best ones ever in history, and that's in '92. So that one won't be too far away. But mm. there's a Seven lot of there's a lot of bad before we get to that one. <laughs> um, what was it? So talk about your pro wrestling history. Anything? Were you a pro wrestling kid at all? Did you? Get I was into not. It? Well, here's what I'll say. I used to watch it, but I never like set up my day where I had to see it. You know, like. If it was on, it was some. Actually, I remember some of the Royal Rumbles, but I don't. I can't ever like regurgitate what I saw. I can't remember what year it was. I don't remember who was in it. I can't remember what happened. I have like flash memories of like a cage and a ladder and someone someone fall off. I remember like Shawn Michaels back in the day and shit like that. But I can't like. So none pinpoint. of that was in a Royal Rumble. So that's good. Okay, see, so there you go. <laughs> There's no that goes to show you There's no how much I can't, I can't place it together. right? I do recall a lot of grouping of mass amount of men in one room in one fucking uh sounds like a party there. at your place. Yeah. No. <laughs> and uh but no honestly I can't I can't recall a lot of these. I can remember some faces, I won't remember all the names. But there'll be a couple that I'm sure once we get to that era where I'm gonna be like, Oh shit, it kinda takes me back and you start seeing people like the Legion of Doom and Right, for sure. And that know. and that's kinda the why I think this will be fun because people, you know, like I said, everybody loves the Royal Rumble, and, it, and it's that going back in time, it's that nostalgia thing. So you get to be like, oh my God, remember? Uh, and I guess rock and roll yeah. Buck Zoom off. I'm gonna no, make an know. assumption that the Undertaker is in every single one of them for the uh, last like 15, 20. Once years. he debuts, <laughs> actually, no, he's in. He's in a. He's not in as many of them as you might think because he would always be is in some sort of other wrestling? match. No, he just retired this year. God bless him. He. Um, but at the Royal Rumble pay-per-views, he would have a match, typically. So he wasn't in as many of these as yeah, he Yeah, like think. a coffin match or whatever, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Um, so my pro wrestling history, a little bit more in-depth than that. I was a Norfolk, Virginia kid. I, I grew up in Norfolk, Virginia, right next to the Norfolk Scope, which is called something else now. I don't know what it's called, but it was the Norfolk Scope when I was a kid. So I was an NWA kid, a uh, the National Wrestling Alliance, not the rap group. Although that's not true. I loved the rap group, too, which was... You know, I'm, I was right in the wheelhouse of who they were rapping towards, the young white kid in Virginia. That was the the target audi audience for the NWA rap group. Um, but I was into the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, Jim Crocker Promotions, Mid Atlantic Wrestling, 
they would come to the scope frequently. And uh, my mother, my parents got divorced when I was young. And my mother, I think I can say this, right? It's not, yeah. It's not okay, my so. mother, you know, was not a rich person. So she knew as a little kid I was a big fan. So she actually took a job, like a part-time job, selling T-shirts for Jim Crockett Promotions at the Norfolk Scope. And, of course, a benefit of that was that I got to see the shows for free. So I got That's to cool. be in the scope when, like, Iron Man hits. You know, that, I am Iron Man. And the Road Warriors come out to it. It's like a runaway freight train. Run to the ring, beat the fuck out of somebody. I already swore. Here we go. <laughs> so this will be an explicit content one as well. Um, uh, beat people up, run out. It was like an experience. Uh, it, like you get like you're you know uh, like goosebumps when that music hit because there wasn't a lot of people using music at the time actually. Like you know the no. Freebirds would come through and you know the Road Warriors and a couple of guys had music, but um, I would you know I was a little kid, so I loved all the good guys except for. The Four Horsemen. They were like my favorite. <laughs> Obviously, they were villains. Um, I wasn't a huge, huge fan of the the the, the original Four Horsemen, which was Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson, and Tully Blanchard. I was more like when Lex Luger started to come around, and then they kicked Ole out, and then it was Luger, Blanchard, Anderson, and Flair. I remember Luger. And then uh, eventually he departed after Barry Windham uh, turned on him, and then Barry Windham joined the group, and then that was my favorite group. And I think most people regard that as the best group of the Four Horsemen. Um. Anyway, point of that is, the NWA had a little bit more of a realistic approach to things. It was like a fight kind of a thing. It was a little dingier. It was a little bit lower budget. The WWF to me at the time was very cartoony. It's like Hollywood, right? You know, yeah, it was the '80s, right? So, I mean, listen, I liked it. I watched you know the Rock and Wrestling cartoon, the cartoon of Hulk Hogan, and um, I, I was into all that. I was not, like, you know. I had the Hulk Hogan workout plan on my door with the little <laughs> blue dumbbells and all that. The point is here, though, that uh, I was a pro wrestling kid, for sure. I lived it. I researched it. I knew everything about everything. I don't know why. I could probably have named you the entire roster of the N- of the NWA from Ric Flair all the way down to, like, the Italian Stallion and the Mulkies. Yikes. <laughs> um, I, I was familiar with the WWF, obviously. But I don't know why, like... It's not that it wasn't available to me. I just feel like I don't know it or I didn't know it as well. I do now, but I didn't know it as well at the time. But I was definitely the guy that, like, you know, my friends would be like, who's this Mr. Perfect guy? I could be like, oh, Mr. Perfect. Well, that's Kurt Henning. He was the old AWA heavyweight champion. He came through here, Harry. You know, like, I knew all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, you knew that. You know what's funny, though? Like, growing up, I didn't even know there was a difference. I thought it was just, like, the same league for some reason. Yeah, right? No, I never really yeah. paid attention enough to know that. Oh, shit, these are, like, rival... Uh, Wrestling federations and shit, and it was it was interesting because so Vince McMahon so pro wrestling was really spread out all over the country. Now I don't claim to be a historian here, so you know I'm not giving you the full version of whatever. But every territory had its own spot. The WWF was the WWWF, run by Vince McMahon that we know, run by his father. He sold it to his son. I I saw an interview where Vince. Jr. had said that if his father knew what he was going to do, he never would have sold it to him. Because Vince Jr., what he did is he took the WWF and put all the competitors out of business, absorbed them all, and created the World Wrestling Federation. At the same time, there was what we call the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, which was also really just a grouping of other group of other organizations. It was Jim Crockett Promotions, Mid Atlantic, Mid Atlantic Pro Wrestling. Um, Mid-South, IWA, you know, like a bunch of other groups. I don't know all of them. 
that were in the NWA. So it was like a conglomerate of organizations kind of against the, the WWF now. But of, of course, as we're talking about the World Wrestling Federation right now, or World Wrestling Entertainment now, I'm sure you can guess how that all turned out, right? Yeah. <laughs> the WWF kind of became the, the top promotion. And I don't know, Vince is obviously a marketing genius, you know. He got the kids involved. He got the cartoons. He got the, the rock and wrestling, the Cyndi Lauper thing. And, and, you know, obviously WrestleMania was a huge, huge, uh, I don't know, production or a huge, huge boost for him or whatever. A huge, a huge success, a huge win. So It's kind of weird. Uh, so his father didn't want him to... No, I think he so said he father, wanted wrestling to have its own regions, its own people. Yeah. He didn't want to bring it together at all. Right. Yeah. His father was old school. That's just how they did things. Well, you know, there was a that's board. Weird, of, no? There was a board of directors of the whole the, of all the groups, and like you would meet and be like, okay, well, Ric Flair is the champion. All right. Well, we want to use him in our territory this week, and we'll send you Andre oh, the Giant. Okay. I got great. You. you know, you know, you send us uh, Terry the Hulk Balea, and we'll send you, you know, so and so. You know, Hulk Hogan wasn't. Really, gotcha. Hulk Hogan was doing loops and like AWA and stuff at the time. But anyway, that uh, that that'll that'll that brings us to obviously pay per view. Uh, WrestleMania was when they realized, hey, we can make a lot of money on pay per view. And then slowly but surely, they added more events. So the Royal Rumble has become the, the pinnacle, second. Right? What? It's like their pinnacle. It's their second. I would say their second biggest event, their second most important event behind only WrestleMania. And really, you know, they call it like the playoffs for the Wrestle for WrestleMania. It's the road to WrestleMania runs through the Royal Rumble. You know, this kind of thing. And, and basically, it's because if you w- you know if you win the Royal Rumble, the pe- the person that wins the men's Rumble, the women's Rumble, they go on to wrestle for the heavyweight title at at WrestleMania. But what's interesting as we travel all the way back in time to January twenty fourth of nineteen eighty eight is that this Royal Rumble was nothing. It was a complete nothing event. It was a throwaway event that was on TV. It had none of the like the fanfare. None of the jazz in this story, right? Yeah, like to, just... right. To, you know, to, if you win the Royal Rumble, you just win the Royal Rumble. You know, you, there was no prize associated to it. It was uh, just a match. Just a match. And it was just a match on a card. It was uh, um, it was like a special event thing that they did on TV. I want to say it was on the USA Network. Um, but it was definitely not a pay-per-view. And it was really, the whole event really was there to promote the contract signing between Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan to wrestle for the heavyweight title for the second time. Obviously, Hogan had beaten Andre at WrestleMania three. Fast forward, Andre links up with Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. Ted DiBiase. Everybody's got a price, so he's going to buy the heavyweight title from Andre after Andre beats Hogan. That's the plan. So that this whole event really was for the contract signing between Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan. Um, and the Royal Rumble was just kind of like, and also you know it was like halfway through the show they do the Royal Rumble. Like, oh, it's just this big, big battle royal. We'll get into it a little bit more here. But you had other people on the card, like the Jumping Bomb Angels. I know you remember them. No. They take on the Glamour Girls. Can't you had the, the famous Dino Bravo bench press of 700 pounds that uh, Jesse helps him with. You know, <laughs> alleged. It's weird that some of the plates don't look like the other plates, but <laughs> whatever. Um, anyway, let's, let's get into it. So... We're going we're gonna to jump in from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada at the Cops Coliseum. It's worth mentioning that not every year, but they hadn't really settled, settled into like what they were going to do yet. So this particular Royal Rumble is a 20-man battle royal, two-minute intervals in between, in between each entrant. 
<clears throat> you'll see as we go along, Frank, that it becomes a 30-man battle royal with two minutes, and then it's a 30-man battle royal with a minute and a half or a minute, or like they, they mess with the, the structure a little bit. Yeah. So for our, ver our very first one here, it's a 20-man battle royal, a new man every 20 minutes. Commentators are Vince McMahon and Jesse the Body Ventura. If you're following along, it, along with us, get to the Royal Rumble match, and we're going to hit play in three, two, one. Hit play. If you're on the WWE Network, there's going to be an ad that you're going to have to sit through. So if you're not... Oh, no, I lied. It just jumped right into it, so forget all that. So here you go, Frank. So the Royal Rumble... Hey, usually, I remember him. Usually it's all about the, like, the entrances. For the first Royal Rumble, no. Number one and number two start in the ring. You got Bret Hart with uh, Jimmy Hart. So this is heel Bret Hart. And uh, he's taking on Tito Santana. Tito Santana, part of the stri part of Strike Force with Rick Martel. They were the tag team champions at the time. It's crazy, man. Look at this shit. Look how young Bret Hart is. Seriously. Howard Finkel is uh, explaining the, the rules to the Royal Rumble. Am I gonna see you one of these? Look at this kid. If we were watching, <laughs> if we were watching the NWA, you would. Yeah, I'm on one of the oh, TV yeah, shows of the NWA. I still haven't. I have the tape somewhere. That's pretty cool. I'm giving up the four fingers behind a fake uh, title for Ric Flair. Mm. What's this guy's name again? The one that's uh, his corner man. The Mouth of South, Jimmy Hart. Yeah, Jimmy. No, not who? Jimmy Hart, the Mouth of South. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart. Now they're in Canada, so obviously the heel Bret Hart. He's getting cheered, <laughs> which is not what they wanted in the 80s. He's always like the local hero in Canada, you know? And then Tito Santana. Thankfully, Bobby Heenan's not calling this match because he gets awfully racist with Tito Santana all oh, the time. Really? He calls him Chico Santana. He talks about enchiladas and burrito. Oh, he just fucks with him the whole time. Imagine having that happening now. So there you go, and they're off. This beer is good, by the way. Yeah, it's very good. Very easy to drink. Now, since this is the 80s, Frank, this Ooh. is going to be very slow and plodding. <laughs> or prodding, rather. A lot of, uh, you're going to see a lot of punch kick guys. Not a lot of flips. You're not going to see a lot of flips and uh, get a lot of hurricane rattas and, you know, <laughs> moonsaults and 450s and all that kind of stuff. You see a lot of punch kicks. Oh my god. The acting is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Even like you when you're looking at the crowd and just like the hairstyles, the the, the clothing. Well, the crowd, it's always fun to watch the people in the front row because they get way into it <clears> usually. <throat> Look at the kid in the front left with the clapper hands on the yeah, hat. You yeah, see, I see that? that on his head, yeah. <laughs> you remember those things? <laughs> You're probably too young. You probably don't remember those uh, things. Yeah, I do remember those. You pull the stupid, uh, the stupid and rope from their hands with clap. With the bullhorn. This fucking guy. The atomic drop. Right in the groin. I never understood this because some guys sell it like it hurts their tailbones. Other guys sell it like it hurts their ball sack. Which is it? I don't. I don't know. That's an illegal elbow to the back of the head. Bret Hart, an incredible athlete at this period of time. I mean, he was anyway, but uh, does a lot of moves here that uh, you wouldn't really see in the time period. Real smooth. As Like what? 
you know, like you, you weren't seeing guys coming off the top ropes oh, with the, with okay, the drops you. and all that kind of stuff. They're all everybody's a punch kick guy. I mean, Hogan had like three moves, you know. Yeah. yeah. Here you go, three, two, one. Our third entrant. This is the natural Butch Reed. Butch Reed, a uh, an, an NWA guy. I wonder who came Actually, up with you know this what? idea. This is, this is hold on, eighty-eight. So he would go from here. He would go on to the NWA in eighty-nine. At I believe it was Wrestle War eighty-nine. He wrestles on that card for the NWA. What's that? This concept? Yeah. I want to tell you. I know this. I believe it was Pat Patterson. I believe this was his idea. Somebody out there can fact check me if I'm incorrect, but I think this was Pat Patterson's idea. Imagine. This has always been funny to me. These like, like let me put my arm all the way up your fucking ass to try to throw you out. Yeah, but they're not obviously not actually trying to throw anybody out because I have no professional wrestling training, and I could have gotten Tito Santana out right there. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm so sure you of it. think that guy weighs probably double what you weigh? Tito Santana? Yeah, I'm definitely heavier than Tito Santana. Look, Look how skinny this guy is. He's not skinny, bro. He's a big dude. What? That is a big guy, even for the standards of those guys back then. He is stomping the fucking blonde out of Butch Reed's head. Oh my god! This is always the mo- oh I was gonna say this is the move always where the baby face the good guy the baby face gets out of that and then the two heels end up hitting each other and turning on each other. This match is always classic for like the two bad guys that team up and then one betrays the other and oof a weak back elbow. Here you go, number four, Frank. There's a, a, a lot of pink leotards in this the one. The other huh? half of the Hart Foundation. This uh, is Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Red Hart's half-brother, actually. Or step-brother. I mean, dude, Jesus Christ. A uh, brother-in-law. Oh, I remember him. Now. now that I saw his face, I remember him. I'm all right. Brother-in-law. He looks like uh, Tank Abbott. <laughs> he does right? look like Tank Abbott. <laughs> This dude had the same body type his entire career. Oh, my God. Man. Like, he it looks was... the same right now in 1988 as he would, like, years later. Yeah. These idiots are trying to, like, triple team this guy. They don't know what the hell they're doing. And they teamed up <laughs> on that Spanish guy. Horrible huh? move. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, Jesse Ventura is talking about enchiladas and calling him Chico now, too. Yeah, was... um... How about they put a sombrero on this dude's tights, too, on Tito Santana's tights? That's horrible. Fucking 80s. It's the 80s, you know? Yeah. It was acceptable back then. See, they, what, what is, they had a bone to pick with him, and they're all beating the shit out of the one guy. Like, <laughs> this is not even like, I was expecting them to just start hitting each other and not really paying attention. <laughs> no, they're all fucking up Tito Santana, bro. <laughs> like, we got to get, <laughs> get this Spanish guy out of yeah. the goddamn ring. Yeah, fuck this guy. He's still having trouble getting him out. Yeah, th- look at three dudes. They can't get this 150 year old or 150 pound man out of the Oh the my god! At this time, was, the, did really, people start is... like uh, like spinning around the rope and coming out the bottom, or they would no, just fall right no, out? No, no, you'll see. Like, yeah. If I remember this correctly, you'll see some weak fall out. All right, here you go. See now, here's Babyface Jake the Snake coming to the ring to save the day. So they did all that was the Babyface in peril. Oh. Right? So now Jake can come in and save everybody. Out goes Butch Reed. That was a quick exit for Butch him. Butch Reed, our first elimination, the natural. Jake comes in like a house on fire. Jake the Snake <laughs> Roberts. Boom, boom. This was a very in-shape Jake Roberts. This was still like, I'm sure he was a heavy partier at this Jesus point. Jesus Christ, but he was, how tall is he? But it wasn't, big... uh, oof. 
the anal entry from Jake as he threw Neidhart into Bret Hart. Do you remember this, like, to the end? If they, you, you can recall it? I do not, no. no. I remember who wins it, but I don't remember all the, all the particulars. Gotcha. I don't remember everybody that's in it. I don't remember who does what, but I do remember who wins it. I was going to say, if you have a DVR memory like that. No, uh, no, no. Listen, I have a lot of useless knowledge about this <laughs> stuff, which I don't understand it. And I'm really a lapsed wrestling fan. I don't watch it at all, really, anymore. At least not regularly. So it's like, if I could have ever done anything with this knowledge. Should have been I never really wanted to be a pro wrestler, but I always did want to be like the manager, right? I wanted to be like the Jimmy Cornette, the Paul Dangerously. Got you, got you. The Jimmy Hart. Like the guy that I was fascinated by the guys that could talk shit. I used to love Jim Cornette. And those guys are typically they're the ones that amp it up, right? They're the ones mm-hmm. that are talking shit. They're mm-hmm. uh, they're setting up the the anxiety for the next match right, or whatever, exactly. right? It's their idea to, it's their their job to get you to hate their team. The pimp. Now Who here is? we go. Number six. This is an interesting story. So this is the king, Harley Race. Harley Race is the first example that we have in this match of a guy who was a mega star elsewhere that Vince got to come to the company and fucking buried the guy and made him like a mid-card nobody. Oh. Harley Race was an amazing NWA heavyweight champion. They bring him in. They saddle him with this ridiculous king gimmick and uh, just left him in the mid-card. He looks like a goof. They treated him like a goof. He does, though. They did it to so many guys, you know, Dusty Rhodes, and they put him in the, in the fucking bright yellow polka dots. He would just, dude, I don't, I don't know. Like, why get these guys? If they, not there use must them? have been a, a draw for them to do it, right? They probably, oh, they got paid. Oh, they got but paid I mean, well, right? You know They're what like, I mean? It's it, crazy. Cares, right? it's just... So that was number six, Harley Race, our number six entrant. Bret Hart doesn't look... Uh, a lot of punches kicks. Yeah. You see that? Jake Roberts runs up to Bret Hart, stops, taps him on the back, and then punches him in the face. Harley Race, known for... Here, here you go, right there. Known for the, the headbutt in the... You know what he's head. looking like? Uh, what's this guy with the... Uh, from the brothers? The, the two brothers? Uh, Step brothers? Will Fer- Step brothers, yeah. <laughs> yeah he looks Riley. like... A- <laughs> <laughs> He does look, look like him a little bit. This. Now they're all back to beating the fuck out of Tito Santana. <laughs> oh, here you go. One of the killer bees is our number seven entrant. This is Jumping Jim Brunzel. No, no, no. I'm sorry. This is B. Brian Blair. Right? No, Jim Brunzel. Yeah. Jim Brunzel. Jumping Jim Brunzel from the killer bees. One of those tag teams that got hot, but I'm, if I'm not mistaken, never won anything as far as the tag titles. There was wrestling every week, right? Yeah, so like, like regular USA, wrestling they would have like every prime week. time, and they had uh, I think I think it was superstars they had at the time WWF superstars. Jesus Christ, man! Is now Frank. It's important to note that Bret Hart goes through the middle ropes here, so he wouldn't be eliminated if he hit the floor. Oh, okay, they play fast and loose of that. So in the beginning, it was kind of you go over the top rope, you hit the floor, you're done. In in new like in the newer times, they play loose with it. Now you have to go over the top rope and both your feet have to hit the floor. So they do all kinds of funky shit where people land on one foot or they hold on to the they land on something side. and it, you know what I mean. And then they're not eliminated. Here it's kind of like, and you'll see these guys. <laughs> a lot of these guys aren't taking that over the top bump. They kind of just casually fall over and hit the floor and just walk away. Off the rope. Look at this guy. Jesus Christ. Jumping Jim Brunzel. The 10 second countdown. I'm not sure if uh, Bret Hart makes it to the end, but can you imagine doing that for like the whole 30 minutes? Bret Hart was famous, like even when he was nobody. Yeah. Oh, here you go. Our number eight entrant, Frank. 
Sam Houston. Do not remember him. Little country boy, Sam Houston. Uh, had the, the cowboy wrestling boots on. Here's an interesting and thing. Bandana. Sam Houston. He's actually the half-brother of somebody else in the ring. Jake the Snake Roberts, actually, is Sam Houston's half-brother, both uh, along with uh, the girl Rockin' Robin. They're the offspring of Grizzly Smith. They never, I don't think they ever once admitted it on t- or uh, acknowledged it on TV. Really? Yeah, Sam Houston and Jake the Snake Roberts are half They kept it off the, the script. Their father apparently was a real miserable prick. I think they either did or are doing a uh, Dark Side of the Ring about him. Grizzly Smith. It's a documentary, I'm assuming. You never, saw dark, you never saw Dark Side of the Ring? You have to watch it, even if you don't like wrestling. It's on Vice. It's an amazing documentary series. They talk about like dark stuff that's going on. What was on the, the last? I saw a documentary series on uh, Ric Flair. Oh yeah, but this that's is not like, the same thing, though. Right? No, no, no. documentary. that was. Uh, and out goes out. Tito Santana is, our, is eliminated. Finally, Bret Hart stop getting his and, ass and Jimmy Anvil. <laughs> yeah, he's like, finally <laughs> go to the back and relax. He's probably like, all right, I'm glad to be out of there. I would have left and a long time ago. They threw him the fuck out. They threw him with authorities. They. Said. I would have sat there. Can you stop? Just be, just throw me over the rope. Stop beating on me. Uh, ten seconds. We got another somebody coming in here, Frank. Uh, yeah, no. Dark Side of the Ring is an amazing series. They talk about like people that have died. It's like all the dark stories in pro wrestling. Okay. Oh, here you go, Frank. Number nine, Dangerous Danny Davis. A lot of pinstripe uniforms, huh? Well, Danny Davis is uh, the the WWF's version of the evil referee, right? So he was a referee uh-huh. that cost. Uh, I want to say the Bulldogs, the British Bulldogs, but I can't remember. He turned on somebody. Fast counted, you know, made you know, made the Hard Foundation win the belts. Then he became a wrestler. He was a wrestler beforehand, but I mean, you know, in, in WWF world, he became a wrestler managed by Jimmy Hart. He always wrestled in these stupid pants and this like <laughs> tight ass white shirt. Dangerous oh Danny God. Davis. Danny Davis either is or was a um, <laughs> look at this guy. <laughs> that's the king, <laughs> like Humpty Dumpty. That's Harley Race's favorite move, man. They would he would do this stupid move where you punch him in his head. He leans back on the ropes, bounces back up. It makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> I'm surprised someone I, doesn't like lose their ACL with all those guys just running around there. I mean, there's not a lot of, like swinging back off the ropes and shit going on, but right. Well, you know, it's funny. Some of these guys really like they take horrible falls to the floor from over the top rope. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure those guys. And uh, listen, this Danny Davis, no skills really, but is a perfect example of like storyline being more important than talent, right? Because he these fans hated this guy, and he was garbage. Yeah. Another 10-second countdown. We were burning through him here, Frank. I was trying to think, too, man. The majority of the times that uh, you had, like, a headliner-type person fighting, usually the second person, like in a normal match, and, like, every week, it was, like, a shitty uh, opponent, right? Like, it was almost yeah. a Joe Schmo. Yeah, yeah, it was always jobbers. It, didn't, it wasn't yeah. until, like, modern times when it would be, like, two known people against each other. Does this seem like like everybody now has kind of like a good a decent following as opposed to before? Now, like today? Yeah. yeah. Most likely, right? Like everybody's in their own way a star. Right. Number 10 here, Frank, that was Boris Zukov of the Bolsheviks. Him and Nikolai Volkov are the Bolsheviks. You may be surprised to learn this, Frank. Not a Russian. Not a Russian. I want to tell you his name is Jim. <laughs> 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 he, uh, I actually remember him from uh, World Class Championship Wrestling. He was brought in by General Skandar Akbar to fight the the good guys there. It's another example, kind of like this guy was never going to be your heavyweight title contender, but they used him in the AWA as a heavyweight title contender. Yeah, he wrestled. I wanted to say Rick Martel. I think was the heavyweight champion at the time. 
he wrestles hard in slaughter. You know, it was the classic good guy versus the evil Russian kind of thing. And they brought him over to the WWF, paired him up with Nikolai Volkov, and he was a mid-card tag team guy. Gigantic fucking head on this guy, though. <laughs> He's got a bowling ball head. I'm surprised that everybody's not just uh, piling up on their old ref, because usually that's the one guy you want to whoop their ass every time, right? The old ref, this I'm guy? sure everybody's gotten slided by a ref in this wrestling. Go- this goof and the about, strength right? fans. That's the one thing, right, about wrestling. Also, they have, like, the those fake uh, shit happening in the background when the ref turns his back and they're yeah, beating the shit out of somebody. Distractions, yeah. Yeah. Shitty-looking dropkick from Danny yeah. Davis. Everybody's uh, siding with Bret Hart here, huh? Jesus. They always Bret Hart was always treated like a star in all yeah, these guys' He was, though. Matches. He's like one of the Even guys I used to love anybody, following you know? him, too, you know? All it's right, the hair, number, man. Number 11 is an interesting thing. Oh, there's so, two of them. Right. So I think the so number eleven is actually the original rock. This is the rock Don Morocco. Looks like the Hulk. But I think that the other guy, Nikolai Volkov, fucked up. <laughs> so they <laughs> do this thing where he punches him in the head, and then the rock gets in the ring. And then Volkov has to awkwardly stand there until the next number when he gets in the ring. <laughs> Don Morocco had just recently turned baby face. He had turned into a good guy here. Disappeared for a couple of weeks, came back gigantic, and I'm sure it was natural. You know, they're talking about Ooh. how he was bang hanging and banging in the gym. Mm-hmm. But then he started going by The Rock, Don Morocco, managed by superstar Billy Graham, actually. There yeah. goes Boris Zukov. Didn't he just come in? He did. <laughs> Poor guy. Zukov goes to the showers. So was this planned, do you think, or this was just like... They no, were, I think they, this fucked up, and they kind of just called it. I, they I think did a they, good job. Uh, they probably both thought they were supposed to come out, and then I think they probably just called an audible. I can't imagine that that was intentional, what, what they did here, because it's dumb if it is. Yeah, but it's just isn't it uh, interesting that the refs are sitting there trying to like talk him out of it? Yeah, blah, I think blah, that they're trying you know? to go along with it here. That was a good sell though. That was, that's on the dime, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's if it was unintentional, he probably was like, "Oh shit, am I not supposed to be out here?" So now they're you know pretending to yell at him. This gigantic Morocco can't somehow get another man over the top rope. I'm 100% sure I'm bigger in every way than Sam Houston. <laughs> so you think? So you get in front of these guys, right? My ass. I could probably beat his ass right now. I don't even know if he's alive anymore. I'm sure he is. He's like, I'm sure he's in his walking cane somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, he can't, I got a good from shot From all the slams, he I'm probably has sure gout and all that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most of these guys have like split spleens and shit, right? Yeah, yeah bad knees, bad hips. Well, this is going to be no surprise here, Frank. The next man in, Nikolai Volkov. <laughs> So he's standing there awkwardly well, on the outside it, of the ring. Imagine he gets knocked out immediately. <laughs> they take him right out. <laughs> oh, you'll see that as we go through the years. Guys that get in get knocked right out. I've seen, if I'm not mistaken, I've seen uh, this happen before where a like, guy comes in and they automatically just swoop him out they the throw other him side. Right out of the, yeah. The, the, oh, there goes Harley Race. Harley Race eliminated. Um, he goes back to the room, locker room, and drinks some beer, right? Because he one looks of the, like uh, he's knocking him. One of the bushwhackers. <laughs> he the storms down to the ring, gets into the ring, and they throw him right out the other side. <laughs> Cracked me up. Imagine being a fan of that one, and he's like, "What the hell? He went in there for like three seconds." They had a look at look, look at this girl in the front row. This is what I'm talking about. Look at these front row fans. Watch. Look, she's throwing shit at Harley <laughs> Race. She is mad with that perm. Oh my! Look at look. God. Here comes security to yell at her. <laughs> like, will, ma'am, you gotta I calm will, down. I no, will yoke you up. <laughs> nobody hates Harley Race that much. She's still <laughs> screaming at him. She probably fathered one of her kids and never paid her. <laughs> 
Oof. The deaded double chop from Don Morocco that everybody did. The Mongolian Bumblebee chop. Bumblebee shorts still there. Bumblebee shorts, yeah. The 10 second countdown again. Fast and furious here, Frank. Never stops the action of punches and kicks from these guys. Punches the punch, and kicks. The punch kick guys. Here comes the Should, ultimate punch oh, kick guy. Oh, one of my favorite. This is the ultimate punch kick guy. This is uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, of course. Jim Duggan. Mr. America. Everybody remembers this guy. A little bit of a different guy in the UWF, oh, shit. where he came from. He just took an awkward-looking shot to the throat from Harley Race on the way in, which turns into nothing. He just goes halfway, <laughs> and he turns around. He's like, oh, fuck it. He leaves. Get back to the fight. Oh, I remember him. He just screaming oh. like a goddamn maniac. This is, I think he was relatively new here because he's not super cartoony yet, right? He's not doing he's the He's still whole, a little over the top. No, you know, no, he like, is. He is. He is. But he's not doing he's animated, super yeah, like, yeah. USA! And with yeah, his tongue yeah. hanging out and stuff, he's not really doing that stuff yet. He's not in the blue tights with the blue knee pads and the blue boots and the whole matching thing. I think this is like fresh out of the UWF hacksaw Jim Duggan, I think. It sounds like he already has a following in this one, right? Oh, for sure he does. Listen, this is one of these guys. Again, this guy is a purely punch-kick guy. He's got absolutely no moves. Punch, kick, knee lift, and three-point stance. Those are his moves. In animation. But the fans fucking love him. And it's the 80s, man. It was all about personality. There's a lot of guys in this ring. Well, maybe not in the ring right now. But a lot of guys made a lot of money in this era with no moves. And by a lot of money, what what does it compare to? Like, you know, a couple grand. <laughs> I mean, obviously nobody was making Hogan money. I think yeah, Hogan yeah. was getting paid forever. The Outlaw Ron Bass is our 14th entrant. Another punch kick guy. Oh, look, he even said, look, he's a stomper. See? You know, punch <laughs> kick guy. Jake the Snake was actually strangling the referee. Yeah, both members of the Hart Foundation still in there. <laughs> it's shitty, <laughs> shitty punch after shitty punch from everybody. There goes Jumping Jim Brunzel. Thank God. You don't like the B guy? Yeah, I like the B guy. Nikolai Volkov oh. with, his, with the with the big uh, the big elimination. It's what impressive when you see like, a big guy like that, like yeah. just flip over the, the top buckle like that. He like started to do himself. the Ric Flair exit <clears throat> and then stopped. You'll notice, Frank, none of these guys, we, we kind of have the volume down here, but none of these guys come out to their music, which has always been one of the big things of the Royal Rumble. You know, the music hits, everybody pumps up. Now it's just quiet. Random people run out. Next out, another B guy, Frank, who runs directly into the cameraman on his way out. <laughs> this is B. Brian Blair from the Killer Man, Bees. the mullet was a thing, huh? Oh, everybody had a mullet. Everybody on had a damn mullet. <clears throat> Hogan, at this point, had the skullet, I think. He was starting to get bald in the front, you know, and hair in the back. Danny Davis doing the Ric Flair flop right there. (laughs) 
<laughs> Jim Neidhart doing what they call the no-sell. B. Brian Blair's punching him. He's doing nothing. <laughs> rib shot. They want the DDT. The crowd chanting for the DDT. Jake the Snake was incredibly over at this time. Come on, B. Brian Blair is definitely not going to be the guy that bails out uh, or throws out Bret Hart. They're not going to let that happen, I'm sure. They're all taking a break right now. You can tell, like, the action's kind of slowed down a bit. Everybody's in everybody's just kind of right like, now. yeah. People are kind of stalking each other. Nobody's <clears> really throwing any punches. There you go, Frank. Number 16, one of my favorites when I was a kid, Hillbilly Jim. Hillbilly. Wait, I don't remember him being in that shape, though. Hillbilly Jim? He yeah. was a beast. Oh, Yeah, yeah. I think I may be mistaken him for someone else. I'm, I'm thinking of him like being like a fat ass of some no, reason. No, no. Well, I mean, that was quick. <laughs> there goes Neidhart. Jim Neidhart eliminated by Hillbilly Jim. Hillbilly Jim hits the ring like a house I'm on fire. about to take out the ref now. Beating the hell out of Danny Davis. The guy, literally the smallest guy in the ring. Hillbilly Jim picks <laughs> him and starts beating the shit out of him. Like all good good guys do. That's a big dude, man. He's a giant dude. I forget the whole story, but I think it was like one of these guys that Hogan kind of ran into and was like, you should totally be a pro wrestler. And then, you know, they they booked him as like the Ho- as Hogan's like, you know, whatever, friend oh, or, or trainee or whatever you want to say, like his buddy. Hey, you need a big guy like that to train with, though. No? Another guy that, like, I don't think ever won a title ever. I don't think so. And was hugely over. Like, hugely popular. Probably made a ton of money. Did Jim Duggan ever win anything? I can't think of... I don't I think he did. Not He's here. won a lot of matches, but I've never seen him, like, actually, like, with a belt. That I can. He think goes of. to WCW towards the, the later years of WCW, and he wins, like, I want to say their U.S. title. It comes... The gigantic Dino, Dino Bravo. Bravo, who we just saw, uh, you know, make the 700-pound bench press. The strongest man in the wink, world. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. If you, when we talk about Dark Side of the Ring, Frank, if you, if you ever watch it, they do one on Dino Bravo. The dude was like an enforcer for the Canadian Mafia at the time. No shit. He was like killing people. I, I don't want to say that. I can't remember if that's exactly true. Oh, there goes Sam Houston. Like, allegedly. Sam Houston uh, eliminated. Um, it's been a while since I saw the documentary, but he was tied up in the mob. It was like a whole horrible story. Before wrestling or even no, after like or as during? He was doing it. Oh, wow. How could you be in a public light like that and can put yourself in that situation, right? Like, it's crazy. You, once you're in front of the camera, it kind of, in my opinion, would eliminate you from doing some stupid shit like that, right? You'd think. Apparently yeah. not. Bravo's Someone manager, will notice you. Frenchie Martin on the outside. A lot of managers on the outside now. You got Jimmy Hart, Frenchie Martin. I guess not a lot, right? There's only two. I thought there was somebody else out there. What is he wearing a doctor's outfit? What the hell is oh, he? Oh, he's Frenchie Martin. He's got like the beret and the like the painter's smock oh, that's on. What he got. You know? Okay, that's because that's how French people dress in nineteen eighty eight WWF. That's them um, poking fun, I guess. You know? Yeah, of course. Everyone's a character. It's the eighties. Dino Bravo getting his ass up already, huh? Yeah, and here you go. Listen to no fanfare. Oh, man. The ultimate warrior. 
Ah, uh, I used to love watching them. And he's like... I actually had his figurines, man. Did you? I used to have a shitload of his figurines. I remember that was actually one of the first figurines that I had with the stage that I used to play with in my house. There goes Bret Hart eliminated by Don the Rock Morocco. That was quick. The warrior here, if I'm not mistaken, was kind of not anybody, though. He was fresh off of his run as the Dingo Warrior in World Class. He also uh, he got his start, Frank, as part of a tag team called the Blade Runners with Sting. Mm-hmm. But he comes in with pretty much no fanfare. They treat him like nobody here. I, like, I, he hasn't quite become like what the Ultimate Warrior yeah, would yeah. become yet. Yeah, because he became actually pretty big, man. Yeah, oh, for sure. He sold a lot. I, I mean, like listen, I was saying, like he was always. I remember seeing just commercials of his figurines and stuff. Hogan laid down for the guy, you know. Yeah. What I mean? So now here comes oh, yeah. a favorite of mine oh. from the end of the Bam, bam. He was called. No, no, actually, it's the One Man Gang. Oh, no, I looked like Bam Bam for a second there. You want to talk about this? Is the guy the One Man Gang was one of these guys who in the UWF was their heavyweight champion. This guy was a monster. The same thing happens with Vader many many years later, where you bring in this monster, and you just don't do anything with him. This guy, the One Man Gang, is so underused that he eventually retreats to deep dark Africa and comes back as the African Dream Akeem. You'll see years later from now, where suddenly he's like you know the stereotypical white guy pretending to be black. You know he's from Africa though. It's very racist. <laughs> Wouldn't there get away with that now, There right? goes uh, Jumpin' Jumper and Zell thrown out. What's that? Wouldn't get away with that now. I suspect he would not get away with that <laughs> now. You know, they paired him with Slick, the Doctor of Style. There goes Jake the Snake, one man, one man yeah, gang throwing gone. out Jake the Snake. Look at that. He's getting yoked. Ultimate Warrior. Again, everybody's beating the fuck out of the little referee. All the good guys beating up the smallest guy in the match. And here you go. Here's your last man. Here's number 20. Number 20, Sylvester Ritter, the JYD, the junkyard <laughs> dog. Big fan of this guy. I definitely had his action figure. I love the junkyard dog. I'm surprised that uh, you don't see, like, well, there's a, there's a couple stars in there. that. Well, I don't even, at this point, some of those aren't well, weren't even stars. Yeah, right? so like, this, is, this is what I mean. Like, there's no real stars because this was yeah. a nothing match. So you're looking at the field here, Frank. One of these men are going to win the Royal Rumble. Who do you think it's going to be? Nikolai Volkov, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, The Rock Don Morocco, Dino Bravo, Outlaw Ron Bass, Ultimate Warrior, The One Man Gang, Junkyard Dog, Hillbilly Jim, and Danny Davis. Dangerous Danny Davis. Do you have hmm. a pick? Oh, man. I'm rooting for Duggan. I know it's not going to be. I don't believe so. And you well, said there goes Nikolai, so don't pick Nikolai. Yeah. And The Ultimate Warrior, you said he was a nobody at this point, so I can yeah, assume that he's, really he's not. Yeah, I not really uh, I don't know. I guess maybe Dino Bravo. Dino Bravo. You're, I don't you're know. locking you in on Dino Bravo. There goes Hillbilly Jim. They're all going out fast and furious now. Imagine uh, imagine Dino Bravo goes out right now. We're going to lock you in on Dino Bravo, Frank? I was going to see the big guy, and all right there, he got taken out. <laughs> oh, Hillbilly? Yeah. Oh, the dreaded eye rake. <laughs> the eye rake. That's what they call the eye rake. Junkyard Dog, another punch kick guy. The ring is literally filled with punch kick guys. There is not anybody in that ring right now that does any real like crazy moves. <laughs> They're all punch kick guys. Oh, here comes Hacksaw with the three-point stance. Say goodbye to Danny Davis. Is it is it Duggan? Jim Duggan? Well, it's too late, Frank. You picked Dino Bravo. All right. Now you got to root for the mafia tied up French-Canadian. Yeah. And look, see this? I can tell he's nobody because they just casually eliminate the ultimate yeah, warrior, like nothing. 
He was a monster, bro. Oh, yeah. Jesus sure. Christ. That guy was on juice for sure. And somehow, I don't know, it, maybe he just, like, kind of snuck in and, no, like, I just won't br- call any attention to myself. Somehow the outlaw Ron Bass is still in this match and gets to eliminate the junkyard dog. <laughs> and he just came in. Like, who the, like, Ron Bass of all these people. A lot of bellies back then, huh? A lot of bellies. Well, and there goes Ron Bass. Fast and Furious, they're all heading out. Don Morocco, Dino Bravo, Jim Duggan, and the one-man gang. One-man gang and Jim Duggan, of course, knew each other very well from the UWF at this point. That big, like, 500-pound splash from one-man gang. Look at Morocco trying to be an athlete <laughs> with that giant <laughs> physique that just developed out of nowhere. Morocco also went with the lightning bolt on the on the trunks, which was big for of Spike Strike Force. Even though he was not a member of Strike Force, everybody just put lightning bolts on their trunks. Look at Frenchie Martin up on the ring for no apparent reason. Dino Bravo with shitty looking stomps that are barely connecting. That's crazy. I used to love Jesse Ventura on commentary. Actually, Jesse Ventura and Vince McMahon were one of my favorite pairs. Look how horrible that hit was, and it was so much to knock Morocco over. The weakest hit. Here you go. The classic heels teaming up on the baby face now, Frank. So it is Jim Duggan. Damn it. One-man gang and Dino Bravo teaming up. What do you mean? Your guy's still in the ring. I know. I know. I have a feeling. <laughs> Doug, the hell was that? Doug, this the like, double karate chop, karate chop, <laughs> and then punch, 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 punches, punches. And then a bear axe slap. handle, punches, axe handle, axe handle, axe handle. <laughs> By axe handle, he's giving him a massage on his back. Yeah, right, he's right. Double fisting him on his back, of course, not a the classic. Again, the classic babyface and peril moment here now. The two bad guys teaming up on the good guy. See if he had his four by four right now. That's right. Four by no two by four, right? Four no, by that's four? a four by four he carries around there. Oh, no, wasn't it a two by four? I think it was the two by four that you no, used to talk about. That's too big to be a two by four. They might have called that, but that's an actual four by four. Oh no! There nope. was Dino Bravo with the saddest looking elimination. Bitch. Like, not only does one man gang not hit him hard enough, but like he hits him and then he grabs him by his ass and throws him out. Jim Duggan. So Duggan with the lefts, the right. We're down to Duggan and the one man gang here, Frank. Look at like yo, the, <laughs> the rain was gonna fucking break. <laughs> he was deceptively how fat he this guy was at the time. He had to be five hundred pounds. Must have been a Plus, the ropes player. are super loose at this point for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Probably all the banging back and forth on the rain loosening them up. Yeah, those jumping bomb angels, those like 90 pound girls that were in the ring before this, really loosen the ropes up. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what a lazy. Right, listen, I'm going to lazily lay you over the top rope. <laughs> he said, like, Go to sleep. Well, he's got to be gassed at this Go point. Go to gang. sleep. These guys are all probably like sitting in the goddamn uh And there you go. Room. And out goes one man gang and there Jim you go, Frank. Duggan, my you should have went with you should have went with your first gut. Or I your know. gut your your first instinct, your gut feeling. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. 
That's the winner of boy. the inaugural Royal Rumble, 1988. It was only a couple characters that I actually used to root for. He was one of them. Look at that big boy. He's a still big alive? Bear with a bunch of snot and stuff hanging off his lip. Yeah. Yeah, I think he beat cancer, actually. Wow. So there you go. He wins the Royal Rumble. He gets nothing for it other than he won the Royal Rumble. They give it so much fanfare that they just casually go to commercial here, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they do the the full pull out, and then up next, we're gonna be back with the Hulkster. Like no, <laughs> and just like that, that is the end of the 1988 Royal Rumble. Wow, no fanfare, not an, at all an important match. Just it is what it is. Hacksaw Jim Duggan wins it. Wins the first ever Royal Rumble, the first in the history of many. That's right. Still That's going, still going today. Like I said, the, still the most popular or. Uh, uh, second most important wrestle, uh, Jesus, God Almighty. Second most important pay-per-view. So 42 matches to this day. How many? 42, I guess. Right? Oh, is that the math? What's the math? Is that the math? 88. That's uh, 22. What, what the hell year are we in? 21? Oh, yeah, 21, yeah. So. It's coming up now, right? Is it this week? Uh, then? This month's it, Royal Rumble? This yeah. year's Royal Rumble? It's uh, tomorrow, actually. Oh, tomorrow. As we record oh, this. It's Sunday the 31st. Today is Saturday the 30th as we record this, so Sunday the 31st. Are you watching it? Of course I'm watching it. Listen, like I said, I'm a Laps wrestling fan. I don't really watch it as much anymore. Uh, you watch the big events, though, right? But I do watch the Royal Rumble. Well, you know what it is partly? is Part of the problem this year, or the, well, in the past year, is um, the co- you know COVID. So there's no fans. Pro wrestling without fans is remarkably boring <laughs> and remarkably like silly. Like, it's tough to watch it and be like, oh, this is kind of dumb. Because really part of pro wrestling is the, the, the crowd getting reactions. The crowd, kind of, exactly. Getting the it crowds you involved. Into it. And you know, you get excited. You get hyped when, you know, some of you don't expect their music their music hits and they run out and everybody goes crazy and you get pumped up. But now, like, when somebody's music hits and it's just a wall of, like, video games and you're like, uh, yeah, okay. Like, there's something else I could be doing with my time. So, um. But I will always make time to watch the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, regardless of how old I get, regardless of how little I watch it or don't watch it or whatever. Those two things I always watch. What was it? Uh, what did we go to? Uh, we went to a wrestling match. We went to, for Chris's, oh, Chris, by the way, Chris yeah. is, uh, Chris, of course, will be a part of this. We just, this is kind of like our, our, our inaugural episode. We kind of just decided to do this on the fly. So uh, Chris couldn't be with us, but uh, he will in the future, of course. Chris, he's, he's big probably a bigger wrestling fan than I am. Still. So, uh, you know, he's 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 definitely jazzed up. He's definitely pumped to, to talk some pro wrestling and to talk pro wrestling with Frank. If you watch any of our shows, if you listen to any of our shows, he always tries to get some sort of references in. So mm. he's pumped up, I'm sure, that we finally got this concept off the ground. So he'll be looking forward to it. Um, but for his birthday, we went to, what did we go to? Extreme we- Rules? Yeah, remember. we went to a pay per view in in Jersey and uh, at um, what's it Prudential Center? Is that Prudential, what it's called? yeah. At the Prudential Center, we went to Extreme New Rules for his birthday. It was good. It was fun. The there is something the about like listen. I'd much rather watch. That was I will say that was fun. It was wild. It was mm-hmm. fun to go because obviously you know we were all together. We went we went out drinking. Surprise, surprise. We went out <laughs> drinking uh, to what is it? Reds is that the place? Reds I think Beer it's Garden. Reds, yeah. If you're ever in Jersey City, check it out. Reds Beer Garden. Big fan. Or Newark, I mean, not Jersey Newark, City. Newark. Newark is uh, Zeppelin Hall. It's right across the street from uh, the I mean, God too. almighty. What am I, drunk off of one beer? Jersey City is Zeppelin Hall. Newark is Reds Beer Garden. Yeah. Good times. They're right across the street from uh, the arena. You can't miss it. But uh, we went there. We drank. We had a lot of fun interacting with wrestling fans there. Oh, man. That I was I made a crazy. mistake of 
I don't know if this was the yeah. I made a mistake of telling one of the guys there, like one of the other patrons there, that uh, I was an AJ Styles fan because I knew AJ Styles from New Japan and from you know TNA and stuff before that. And he starts doing the Roman Reigns like fist thing and like starts threatening me with Roman Reigns moves. And I'm like, buddy, you you're not you're you're, you're not Roman Reigns. But. Yeah, we will knock you out. <laughs> it's not, it's not <laughs> we had a story. group of uh, group of men there with a lot of beer in our system. Yeah. The guy was going a little We're over like, the top. <laughs> the smallest member of our group is twice your size. <laughs> um, my favorite part of that whole night though was he was talking shit about how uh, you know. AJ's always gonna lose. AJ's never gonna win. Blah blah blah. And then like I was like, oh okay, no problem. If it's fine. It's all scripted, bro. It's okay. And then uh, I saw him at the end of the night. I just happened to see him. Hey man, did you see the main event? You nobody goes. No, we got kicked out. <laughs> they were drunk, <laughs> throwing beers or whatever. They got kicked out. I'll never forget. It, it was so funny. What a fucking tool. <laughs> so anyway, Franks, what would you think? Nineteen eighty-eight, take, traveling back in time. That that was interesting. It was. Uh, you can tell the pace of it is very. Uh, Slow, very unenergized. Um, very slow. Punches and kicks. Punches and kicks. Nothing like nothing really stood out. It's good to see the uh, Jim Dickel winning, obviously, because uh, he's Punches probably one kicks, of the guys. No that, music, no fanfare, nobody coming out to the theme songs and stuff. Uh, and it's just uh, it's nostalgic to look at shit like that, right? Because that's just like the beginning right. of something that became crazy. Obviously, how old were you in '88? Were you alive? Yeah, you. Were yeah, alive. I was six, six, six years old. Well, the good news is 1989, Royal Rumble becomes an actual pay-per-view on the docket. So it gets so a little bit more, more stars and a little bit more exciting, a little bit more. Uh, I don't remember the star caliber that's in the match. I don't really remember the 89 one at all, but I do remember who wins that one also. But uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. It, it gets better as it goes. Like I said, 92 is the target. That's the that's the. One that most people regard as probably one of this the best. This is probably ones. the only way I could watch it, right? We're like we're actually watching something progressively change throughout the years and uh, right. turn into something bigger. Right. Well, listen, we can watch as much as you want, Frank. We can start uh, the very first, whatever the hell, uh, I don't know, pick something. The very first WWF superstars on USA. And I don't <laughs> care, man. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We're here to drink <laughs> and watch TV. Anyway, so uh, so that's it. Any final thoughts? Any. Uh, I'm looking forward to maybe something a little more star-studded moving forward. <laughs> well, I will say, though, I, I did see a lot of them in there that I, I don't remember, obviously, but well, a lot of them I can't even recall at all. And the ones you see here, they definitely were not. Like, Duggan... They weren't even stars at that point, know, right? Was Duggan ever a star? I guess he was. Yes, he was. But, like, Ultimate Warrior was the definitely not a star The crowd would literally go match. crazy. Every time he came out, whether you liked them or disliked them, everybody would erupt when he came right, out. Right, right. Uh, but the other quote unquote biggest star in that match would be the Ultimate Warrior, I would say. And he was and, uh, nothing. Bret Hart, in that match. No? Oh, and Bret Hart. Yeah, yeah, Bret Hart obviously becomes a huge, huge star. It takes Bret Hart a number of years before he becomes a real star, though. Yeah. Wow. Oof. Anyway, that's it. That's the Royal Rumble 88. Join us next time. We'll take a look at the Royal Rumble 89. We'll drink another beer. Any final thoughts on the beer? I thought it was pretty good. That was actually very good. Very, very easy. Uh, it to drink. was. Uh... Probably worth every penny I paid for it. Well, you definitely <laughs> overpaid. <It's, laughs> seriously, I was like, what the hell was that? But hey, you know what? It's it's cheaper than driving up to Equilibrium, I guess, right? Uh, is it? You might have spent less money on gas if you just <laughs> driven to Equilibrium. There, it's only an hour away, Frank. <laughs> We're not talking about going to Canada. Yeah, no shit. Uh, anyway, so that was Equilibrium and so Double India Pale Ale that we had while we were watching the 1988 Royal Rumble. Anyway, that's it. We'll... Uh, We'll check in with you next time for the 89 Royal Rumble. Uh, we'll see if we have Chris here. If not, we will get Chris here involved at some point. So, Yes, sir. That's it. Thanks for having me.
Anytime you're the real star of the show. Oh here, man, Frank. we didn't even uh, give this uh, arena uh, a, a name. Where are we in? Where are we at right now? That's true. We're in. Uh, we gotta. We gotta give it a a star studded. <laughs> we're in. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We'll think of it for the next one. Yeah, we'll come up with something for the next one. The Gorilla Stadium. We'll come up with some sort of <laughs> weak. Some, some sort of arena name. I yeah. know that was too too obvious. So anyway, we'll get out of here. Uh, as always, again, this is just you know a little bit of a deviation. This is kind of a little bit of beer and mostly pro wrestling. But you can check out all the rest of our stuff, which is more beer and alcohol uh, related. You know what we need to do, Frank? We actually need an alcohol show. It's been far too long. Yes, I'm. I'm always down for alcohol and beer. We'll have to. Uh, we'll have to you get that what? on the docket. I'm actually amongst drinking periods. I guess whatever you want to do, man. Well, you have a problem. Well, yeah, yeah. we'll have to get a, we'll have to get an alcohol <laughs> show on the docket. Anyway. Uh, at WGOB Network on YouTube, on uh, SoundCloud, on iTunes, everywhere you get your favorite podcast. WGOB Network, every, everywhere you get your favorite podcast. We are at Girls of Booze on Instagram, at Booze Girls on Facebook, at Booze Girls on Twitter. We don't really use those two all that much, but yeah. we're there. Uh, at Platano for Life. At Platano for Life. Is the star of the show here, Frank. At Doug GOB on Instagram for my, uh, it's really just pictures of my dog. Really, dogs. <laughs> my dogs. Really, is about it. Uh, don't be alarmed by the twenty-something followers. Like I say every time, because uh, it's an account that I just started and I barely use. But I don't know. That's it. Oh, uh, Hopped Up Network at Hopped Up Network on Instagram. HoppedUpNetwork.com. Thank you very much to the Hopped Up Network for having us be a part of the crew. Chill. On like, to the next. I feel one. like we should have a, like a uh, a nice wrestling-related outro here. But I guess we don't, right? Music-wise, or are you talking so about three, two, one? And we're out. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I like that. All right. Take it easy. We're out. One.